when we gather for worship, I sometimes wonder who among us has had to convince a child or a youth or an adult, maybe even yourself, that you ought to go to church. Musicians rehearse to perform well. Athletes practice to contend, and scholars study to excel. All work to master disciplines for success. We see that here in many ways around the church. You so enjoy hearing Stephen Glover play piano, and he's done a marvelous job for us this morning in, in leading our hymns and accompanying the worship team and the choir. This gentleman behind me has more than three decades of professorship at a university teaching piano. And many years prior to that of, of practice and preparation, but he's here at the church every day when he has a service to lead. Every day he's here, and sometimes he's here waiting for the staff to arrive to let him in. <laughs> now, <clears throat> why, would, why would an old guy like Steve... <laughs> Why would an old guy like Steve be down here practicing so much? Why, he's got that cooled. Not here and not here. Because it's his offering. It's an expression of his gratitude to God for the talent and the skill and the ability that he has. And he's in here, hour upon hour, rehearsing to prepare to lead worship with the quality that you heard this morning. The same is true of Nancy Schranz. You go by the, the, the worship and arts room anytime, and you're going to hear music coming out of there. Either she's going to be singing or she's going to have it playing. She studies just every piece thoroughly. And our musicians at all levels are here for hours of rehearsal every week for one reason, to present offerings that are worthy of God Almighty. Repetition is essential for development of spirit, mind, and body. Our Psalter today was sung by ancient Israelites on their way to church. Did you know that? It's called a Song of Ascents. It was sung by the ancient Israelites when they were going to church. And as those Hebrews approached the holy city, songs and chants and praises like the one you read were their statements of purpose and declarations of intent. I must tell you, I was very impressed with the way you read Psalm 100 this morning. I was going to have... A, have us do it again as a way of 
of exclaiming. And I think I will, not because you didn't read it with enthusiasm, but, but just because it just needs to ring in this place. <clears throat> so open your hymnals to Psalm 100. And we're going to do it just a little bit differently than you did it a moment ago. But before we read, I want you to note there are five exclamation marks in this psalm. There are five exclamation marks. That ought to say something to you. Now here's how we're going to do it. I want you to be very biblical. I want you to outdo one another in being good. And so we're going to divide the congregation. We're going to have the folks in front of me begin, and then the response will be given by you folks to, to my left. And I want to see who can outdo the other. Now, this isn't an athletic contest, so don't, don't lose it entirely. But with your most enthusiastic voice, your sincerity of purpose, I want you to proclaim Psalm 100. So here we go, starting with those in front of me and the response from you over there. Make... Come on, louder. Isn't that great? Doesn't that feel good? That's what God ought to hear. Whether you verbalize it, whether you speak it that way, whether you vocalize it that way, God ought to experience that kind of a soaring, lifting spirit of gratitude in every one of us. And you know why? Not because it's Thanksgiving Day, but because He is God. And He's given you this day and the day before it, and He will give you tomorrow. Because He is God, we do that with voices united, their praises they raised as they went to the holy city, Jerusalem, to worship God and give him thanks. They remembered their holy history. They did their reps, as you athletes say. They did their reps, the repetition of the stories of how God had led and blessed the relationship of their ancestors. They pointed away from themselves, recalling how God kept his promises, blessed with his presence, and empowered their nation to become who he told Abraham his people would be. All of that, all of that enthusiastic praise, make a joyful noise. All of that, we are the Lord's, we are the people of God. All of that was predicated on God's command that they not forget to remember. 
It was predicated on the command of God that they not forget to remember who God is and on God's command. They moved forward. God's plan forever is to have a vital, intimate relationship with every one of you and with all of us together as his people. Consecrated living affirms God. It states who we are and what we believe about him. God was in essence saying to his people, what I've said to you before that some of my relatives said to me when, when I left to begin my studies for ministry and, and eight years of education lay ahead of me. Aunt and uncle, one after another, said to me, don't forget where you came from. Don't forget where you came from. And that's what God was saying to his people. Don't forget where you came from. This life that you enjoy, these blessings that you draw in and, and, and use every day to sustain and to nurture your life. Don't forget where they came from. Don't forget what I did for you when I, when I led your people out of Egypt. God was so intent that his people remember that, that when he instituted the Passover, he said, when you eat the lamb of the Passover meal, you shall eat the lamb mixed with bitter herbs. Doesn't that sound tasty? But you eat with bitter herbs because it triggers the memory of the embittered slavery of your ancestors down in Egypt and how I brought you out of that time, how I brought you to new life, how I brought you into a good land. You once were in the hard work of slavery in Egypt but now you are free, but don't you forget where you came from. And so with the lamb at Passover, you shall eat bitter herbs to remind you of those embittered years. And you shall set up along the way the markers of your journey. And as you read across the pages of the Old Testament, you read that wherever there was great success where the people were aware of God blessing them and touching their lives. There they erected an altar. There they set stones as markers so that those who came after them would see that distinct marker and know that God's people had been there. I want to take you to two, two scriptures. They nearly duplicate one another, but they are so important in this matter of God saying to his people, don't forget to remember. Don't forget to remember. The first is Deuteronomy 6, verses 5 to 9. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. 
you shall teach them. You shall. It's not optional. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. In other words, you should be surrounded. Your life should be enveloped with the reminders that I am God, that I have come to you, I have kept my promise, I have blessed you. And you ought never, ever to forget that. First on the list, you heard it, was unreserved, wholehearted commitment expressed in love to God. The only way commitment can be expressed is in obedience to God's law in daily life. Now the second scripture, which is going to sound very similar, but I use it because it underscores God reminding the people, God telling the people what he wanted them to be. It's in Deuteronomy 11, verses 16 to 21. Beware that your hearts are not deceived and that you do not turn away and serve other gods and worship them. Be very alert that you are not drawn, that you are not allured by the bright, shiny things of the cultures around you which you are moving through. All those things are, are not bad. But all, any of those things put ahead of me in terms of your desire is wrong. That's what God was saying to his people there. Or the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and he will shut up the heavens. What did you sing this morning? Anybody remember? Open up the heavens. But here's the warning. Pay more attention to what's going on around you, to what you can possess, to what you can own, and I will shut up the heavens. Where the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and he will shut up the heavens so that there will be no rain and the ground will not yield its fruit and you will perish quickly from the good land which the Lord is giving you. You shall therefore impress these words of mine on your heart and on your soul and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall teach them to your sons. Do you get it, dads? Do you get it, moms? You shall teach them to your children these great truths of where all that we have and all that we are has its source. And that is in God Almighty. You shall teach them to your sons, talking of them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates so that your days, listen to this, and the days of your sons, 
may be multiplied on the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them as long as the heavens remain above the earth. It's a command. It's noted across the pages of the New Testament. It's God's command for his people. God's people are to think and meditate on these commands so that obedience is not legalism, but response based on understanding from the heart. God's people are to take every opportunity to remind themselves of how only God, only God, sustains their life. We have a reminder of that before us this morning. Only God sustains our days, and we know not how long those days may be. Tomorrow at noon, it is my privileged but solemn responsibility to proclaim the gospel in the memorial service for Jean Falkenroth. Last Sunday at this hour, he was here with us. He was in worship. Today he's with the Lord. We don't know who's next. We don't know. Thank God. But who's next? Dear friends, there is no finer focus than to fix our minds on who God is, what he has done, and what he will continue to do. Many of you now have navigation technology on your vehicles. And I, along with most of you, some of you don't like that, but I really like that navigation technology. But think about what we do. We, <laughs> we obey commands from a machine. Have you thought about that? We obey commands. We let a machine tell us where to go. To get us where we have not been. A machine to tell us where to go, to get us where we have not been. Now there are signs along our routes for speed limit and tell us no passing and to yield and, and a curve is ahead and, and to stop. And all of those are displayed as graphics on the screens of our Navigation equipment. There is everything in front of us along the roadside and on the screen to remind us 
of what our responsibility is. Commands are all around us. God's commands in the Bible, we often say, well, I don't like this and I don't like that. I'll take this command, but I don't like that command. We want to pick and choose which of the commands of God we're going to obey. Society's commands are in statutes and ordinances and on posts along highways. Now, commands surround us, gods and societies. And sometimes some of us decide we are going to disregard commands. There's no cops around. There are no cops around. They're not out today. I'll do with the command what I want to. And then in your rearview mirror, you see a car approaching with pretty lights. <laughs> and it's playing a siren song. And you recall what you chose not to do. What you chose not to do. The shalls of Scripture mean we will. It's not optional. It's not for us to choose. It's what God wants. Church, it's time to remember. It's time to remember. America, it's time to remember from whom we have come, to whom we are going, and who sustains and nurtures us on our journey. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the lands. Know that the Lord who made us is God. We are the Lord's. We are the people of God, the sheep of God's pasture. So enter his gates. Get in there and let him hear your thanksgiving. Go into his courts and give him praise. Give thanks and bless his name. You know what I think thanksgiving ought to be? Thanksgiving ought to be a crescendo of praise that increases daily for as long as a Christian lives. Amen. Thanksgiving should be a crescendo of praise that gets louder and louder and louder the longer a Christian lives.
May that be your testimony today and in all the tomorrows that God allows you to have. We pray. To you alone, O God, we call out our ultimate loyalty, expressions of love, and manifest the signs of allegiance. May your word, made eternally secure, in Jesus, be that which fills our minds and our hearts to overflowing, so that we live out of that overflow and are never searching for praise or gratitude or thanksgiving for all that we are and ever hope to be is from your hand of blessing and bounty, a plan that has been in place since the foundation of the world and will remain until you end the world. Until that day, O oh God, when you no longer have need of the church on earth, may the church, the people of God, with strong, vibrant, sincere voice, raise your praises and walk in the fullness of life that you have granted us to know. Our Father, I pray that we would live with our eyes fixed on you, Thanking you for the things that we enjoy, but never, never displacing you with those things that we enjoy. May the parents among us and the grandparents and the great-grandparents continue to tell the stories of how you have blessed, sustained, and kept them to their children. May they continue to set the markers of sacred history in the family heritage. And may we, as your people, O oh God, always desire to make you proud of us. In the blessed name of your Savior Son, Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Let's stand to sing.